Hi, is this Mr. Louder? Yeah. Hi, this is Olivia calling. How are you? Hi, Olivia. <laughs> I'm good. Paul Louder joined the Trinity community as a professor in 1988 and then retired in 2015. During his time at Trinity, he served as the director of American Study as well as the English department chair. Uh, I was in the English department, but I also taught in American Studies. Um, and in American Studies, uh, I mainly taught um, uh, the uh, graduate, uh, the introductory graduate course at the time. Um, now, this is quite a number of years ago. Um, and, um, uh, and then I also would teach uh, the, the American Literature Survey course uh, in English. I did that for many years, um, and uh, I did the uh, Graduate American Studies course for many years also. There was a great deal of conflict and disruption in the in American studies for a variety of reasons that uh, are not relevant particularly to, to your work. Personally, I actually lived in two places. I lived in New York and I lived, I had an apartment in Hartford. And uh, the consequence of that was that I wasn't around uh, particularly on uh, you know, weekends. I would normally come up on Monday or Tuesday sometimes, but usually on Monday and go back on uh, on Thursday. Um, and uh, so I, I wasn't uh, around often when there was student actions of various kind. That's why I think I'm not the, the, the person best suited to uh, mm-hmm. uh to give you a sense of student activism, particularly uh, to the extent that it took place on Fridays and weekends, which was often the case. Basically, my question is, do you know anything or did you hear anything? I don't know if you visually saw anything since you weren't here so much on the weekends, just about student protest or um, any protest for change. And this could either be Trinity... Um, or Hartford. Say, say the last words again. Um, any like students protesting for change or wanting change um, in Trinity or perhaps in Hartford as well. Well, uh, there are all sorts of things going on, um, and it really depends on your definition of student activism. Um, when people use that term, they, they often are, are referring to uh, anti-war activity of various kinds, but, but that's only one of many, many areas. Um, there was a lot of um, activism against the Iraq war in particular. The Iraq war began on the claim that Iraq had a weapons of mass destruction program, and thus determined that the Iraq posed a threat to the United States and its allies. According to a piece in the Trinity Tripod from 2003, um, entitled Reflecting on the War in Iraq by Cliff Schroff, the United States, quote, claimed that Iraq was harboring terrorists, possessed weapons of mass destruction, and had a deplorable human rights record, unquote. Around the 
um, uh, stuff that went down at the, the Abu Ghraib uh, jail in, in uh, Iraq. And a number of students with, with uh, my colleague Fred File was really critical uh, person. They did things like um, they did uh, role playing of, of uh, uh, Iraqi people being beaten or uh, abused in other ways on campus. Uh, I can remember one such thing that took place um, uh, on, you know, on the area between the um, uh, the library and, um, and uh, the the, uh, the dining hall. Um, so that and that happened periodically through the period when uh, when the Americans had invaded uh, Iraq. In an article I found from the Trinity Tripod Depository in 2005 entitled Military and Government Panelists Debate Iraq War by San Yu Lan, there was a protest against the Iraq War on Trinity College's campus in that voices organized to speak out against the Iraq War. This protest included a panel of people, some of which being the executive director of the U.S. Tour of duty Jeff Norman, former CIA analyst and veteran Ray McGovern, and Nadia McCaffrey, a gold star mother whose son was killed in Iraq. Mainly students, administration, and faculty attended the event. And the purpose of the event was supposed to be a, quote, timely reminder of the senseless deaths, a cost of the nation's continued involvement in the Iraq war, unquote. Jeff Norman said that it was his it was a duty to stand up for what this country stands for and said that is reason enough to protest the war. Norman also said that, quote, we need to bring new individuals into the movement, unquote, mainly saying that there needs to be more focus on the accountability of what the government does. The next speaker was Ray McGovern, and he was a prior CIA analyst. This man spoke a little bit on the background of the CIA, saying that, quote, there was a sense of, count of accountability for the correct intelligence in an atmosphere free from political influence, unquote. McGovern then talks about the influence which the events of the terrorist act of 9-11 had on the United States. He believes that from this point on, the CIA was in fact distorted, and he said, quote, the sense of accountability disappeared and political influence began to creep into the agency, unquote. McGovern said that at that point in 2005, and probably still now, there is blatantly disregard for international law. He said that administrative policies were not being formed around the facts and that misleading information has been used to justify the Iraq invasion. The third speaker on the panel was Nadia McCaffrey, and within her time, she talked about her son's death in Iraq. It was a sniper who killed her son abroad, and he was one of the first of the, from the National Guard from California to get killed in an action in 58 years. McCaffrey urged the audience to realize what the truth is, and she urged everyone to protest and take action. She said, quote, Reacting to violence with violence will lead us nowhere. It will only lead us to more violence, unquote. The final speaker for the panel was David McMichael. 
McMichael emphasized that the U.S. government, quote, should not commit to any aggressive actions and pledge to only defensive acts, unquote. It was said that everyone in the audience silently agreed to the word spoken, and it prompted students to realize that if they wanted to change the outcome of what was happening in their own country and abroad, then they needed to act, and they needed to stand up and protest for what was right. Before I came to Trinity, the, the spring before, um, which is now almost about 30 years ago, uh, Cheryl Greenberg in the history department organized what I think was the first national conference uh, on the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, SNCC. Um, and there were, there were, you know, at the time, 30 years ago, a lot of the uh, original SNCC people uh, who were still alive and uh, active and, and so forth and so on who came uh, to the college. It, it was really uh, quite a fascinating uh, event. And uh, I know that Cheryl did a bunch of follow-up uh, with that, but I don't know very much about it. Part of the question that was agitated both by some faculty um, members and um, and by some uh, African American students um, had to do with admissions uh, and with the support of uh, of students and the. Um, uh, the biggest sort, uh, uh, source of, of support for students of color um, w was, um, oh God, what is it called? Um, hold on for a second. Um, is it a Harris? What, what's the name of the organization that Claudia's daughter is head of? Posse, yeah, thanks. Posse, Posse. Okay. According to the webpage of Trinity College, the Posse programs includes recruiting teams, which are posses, of, quote, highly motivated high school students, training such teams in educational leadership and organizational development, and assisting such teams in administration to the nation's top private colleges, unquote. Once this group is admitted to college, the team, quote, functions as a social support network and receives continued guidance from the Posse Foundation in terms in the form of counseling, additional training, and group programming, such as the Posse Plus Retreat, unquote. Um, and the Posse students, um, I don't know if, if you're familiar with, with Posse. I'm not. Um, okay. Um, the way Posse works is they provide uh, scholarship um, uh, support to a group of students in a number of institutions, uh, the numbers of, uh, enlarged. The, the woman who developed it uh, is the daughter of a friend of ours, okay. and they, they have done just a, a wonderful job. It, it meant that there would be uh, eight or 10 or 12 posse students uh, coming to Trinity every year. Okay. And they were constituted as a, uh, a little seminar um, 
they met uh, supporting each other, but they, you know, they had individual um, interests. And um, but, but the the thing about it was that um, it meant that there was a sort of organizational center for um, students of color, primarily, but not entirely, uh, African-American students, uh, which which supported uh, them as they, um, both in terms of the academic work they were doing and, and other areas of work that were of interest to them. So um, that was, a, I think, a, a major contributing factor and uh, it, it, what it meant was that uh, you didn't have um, so much a, an independent um, organization of, of, um, of activism although you have a you know an African American student house um Right. But it, but it, uh, it provided a, um, individual students um, not only, as I say, academic support, but also when they were interested in pursuing issues, uh, support for, for that too. I had posse students in my, particularly my first year seminar, uh, a couple of, of years, and, and they were really... Um, leadership people they they uh, not only in the classroom but but elsewhere um, I wish I could put you in touch with with them but I can't I mean I'm, I'm just uh, out of the circle but what would go on at other institutions um, in the form of uh, let's, let's say um uh, a black studies, a black student union, or something like that. Um, I suspect that, to some extent, um, between the the house and and the uh, and the posse students, that that got taken up um, by by uh, those institutions rather than um, uh, primarily a. Um, uh, a black student union, which which emerged periodically, but uh, my impression, and it's simply an impression since I was not directly involved, uh, my impression was that it, it was never a um, deeply charged uh, organization. Uh, and the other factor was that there was a lot of institutional support for things like uh, a hip-hop festival, Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know there are great virtues in in having institutional support. <laughs> On the other hand, uh, what it often means is that that independent student activity uh, gets co opted. But I suspect that you'd you'd have much more uh, information. Uh, and, a sense of things from from the African American faculty at uh, at, at Trinity, um, uh-huh. and I I was not um, at all deeply involved in in, uh, in any of that. Um, 
obviously it's always been a, an issue right. um, given um, not only the, the general culture but the particular location of, um, of, of, the, of the college and some of the issues that that produced right. anyway uh, as, as you can see I think that the, for me uh, the, the, the last area I would mention had to do with agitation um, having to do with the college itself and um, I don't know what to say about that, actually. Um, there's always been a, um, a certain independence of the um, student organization um, that uh, was focused more on the distribution of money and uh, the encouragement of, of events of, rather than pushing the, uh, the college um, to do things uh, that it was not necessarily reluctant, but not clear what they were going to do. Um, right. And uh, it certainly was true that that back 50 years ago, uh, there was a lot of agitation around the question of coeducation, uh, right. bringing women onto the campus. But the, that, you know, that was the before even I was there, and I came. I researched co-education protests at Trinity College, but was not able to find any student-based protests. Instead, interestingly enough, I found protests for co-education in terms of the professors. It seems that the professors who taught the young women in the first few years that Trinity became a co-education school would oftentimes make sexist remarks in classrooms. I came across a blog which is called From Coeducation Was a Myth to Coeducation Was No Longer a Big Deal, Women's Experiences at Trinity College in the First 20 Years of Coeducation. Within this blog, I found very striking quotes from anonymous alumni who have put in their word about what happened with them during the first years of their experience of coeducation at Trinity College. For example, one woman who entered Trinity in 1969 said that, quote, while a number of male students displayed extremely negative attitudes toward the female presence, the faculty response was even more disappointing, unquote. To me, it seemed that professors thought that women were not intelligent at all. In one case, a professor at Trinity said that, quote, no woman in his course would ever receive a grade higher than a C, unquote. I read in this blog that when women were trying to ask questions to the professor, they would say things like, I don't see a hand raised, even though they were blatantly raising and waving their hand at the professor. In another scenario, a professor said, quote, the only reason that she was a lab assistant was in case a woman spilled a chemical on herself and needed to be showered down. The professor also said that, she needed, she needed wiping up skills in order to be a useful housewife one day, unquote. The sexism here, especially from the 1970s and 1980s, seems to be very prominent. It appeared that it took decades for Trinity College to adjust to coeducational life. While there was no actual student protest against the, the gender discrimination, it appeared that many outdated professors 
protested the presence of women on campus based on their discriminatory remarks. Thank you so much for having this phone call with me and communicating with me so quickly. I really do appreciate all of this. Well, I hope it's useful for you. And uh, if you want to come back at some point, I'm here. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good day. You too. Bye.